the World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. What's our name? Welcome to the new Canada Mission Podcast of the South Connection. I'm Tim Slomka. I'm JP. Thanks for joining us again. As always, we're on a journey to relive the new generation era to find the best and some of the worst of a time period often forgotten. Brennan Shaw at Survivor Series 92. It's Brennan Shaw at Survivor Series 7. We look beyond the pay-per-views and examine the weekly TV and see what worked, what could have worked, and what failed. JP, we've made it a full year. We're, we started at Survivor Series 92, and now we're at Survivor Series 993. So welcome and uh, glad to make this journey so far. Yeah, man, it's like a Survivor Series is like our banner pay-per-view because like each year you know, it's going like to celebrate a year of us doing it. So it's pretty cool that uh, we're going to start at Survivor Series and end at Survivor Series. So like each one of these is like a little hallmark, I guess you could say. Yeah, it only, only took us a little less than two years to do it. So <laughs> uh, a little break, a couple little breaks in the middle, but, uh, you know, we're kind of moving in a clip about we probably should about a year and a half, I think, if we didn't take those breaks. So right. moving on pretty well. So good, but uh, yeah. So how's everything going besides uh, our big uh, anniversary here? Yeah, Paper pretty good. Can't complain. Can't complain. How about yourself? Uh, it's you know, the holiday season, so busy, busy, busy. Kid, kid was sick all this week, so it just threw it like it just throws everything out of whack and miss a bunch of Christmas parties. But there's a whole, so many more the next couple of weeks, so good times and. Tons of gift giving and just beautiful lights out and decorations out. It's a good, good fun time. Yeah, we don't, um, we don't have what's considered winter down here, but, uh, yeah, we have, we know we have like the whole, like, they do like this, like, simulated snow bullshit yep. down here with like, and it's like just soap for the most part. Right. And like, I, I had to like tell my kids, like, no, like, they keep thinking it's snow. I'm like, no, this is not. This is not snow. You've never seen snow. Don't tell people you've seen snow. This is not the same thing. It's it's fabricated crap. But yeah, I I was at Disney one year for like that, and the like the people going nuts for this, right? Like the, the 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 foam snow through the air. I'm like, this is so fake. Like it was just and like it's, it's literally soap. Like it's like right. It's so bad. Like you couldn't make some uh like synthetic snow, but like you're literally just putting soap out there. It's weird. It's not naturally occurring. Like you know, it's going to happen. Like it's right. not like people are going like crazy. It's like yeah, it's coming from a sheet. It's like it'd be more. I'd be more crazed if like okay, it was coming from the sky. Like legit. It's like okay, that's pretty cool to see snow. Like no, this is this. You know, Mickey Mouse is back there. You know, making this stuff. It's not a surprise. But people are acting like it should be. So uh, well. funny stuff. So all right, should we move on to Survivor Series? Oh, I'd also say that you know, just around this time of the holidays, also great sports. Time as much as the Chicago sports teams suck. Uh, tons of fun getting the NFL playoffs. Uh, you know, I'll bring it up later, but this week in the NFL, the guys are killing it on that. Love that preview every week. And you just have, uh, you have, um, college football just getting into the bowl season. Basketball and hockey are picking up. The World Cup's been fun. So it's a fun sports season as well. So you also got like the hot stove and basketball is going yeah, on. Yeah. I'm sorry, baseball is going on. Oh, too. baseball. Yeah. Cubby's starting to come back out of nowhere. Yep. Yeah, so. so you got a little bit of everything this time of year. So it's really yeah. like the culmination of everything. So it's pretty cool. Perfect time of year. All right, let's move on to the Survivor Series 93. Uh, last event ever for the WWE at the or WWF or whatever you want to call it, uh, Boston Garden uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. A huge sell-off. 
a sellout for them. They, you know, Vince rags about they sold out in an hour. Uh, pretty cool venue. Uh, this, you know, long, long gone. Um, it, this one was on Thanksgiving Eve, so we're going to start it, uh, you know, this tradition now of moving it from Thanksgiving nights to now Thanksgiving Eve, which I think is better, um, probably for them, but I think there's only maybe next year, or I don't know, maybe next year's the last one, but they start, they move off it and get back to the, the Sunday only pay per views soon, so it's right. not that great of an idea for them. Uh, we got a, we got one dark match, Billy Gunn versus Brooklyn Baller, which is like the most bizarre. <laughs> what the hell? Match. Yeah, like why is Billy Gunn single, and why does he need to defeat Brooklyn Baller? So those things I think are supposed to get the crowd pumped up for it. So I don't think that's the way you want to go to get the crowd pumped up for this. So big night as far as you know the Survivor Series. They got a huge crowd. Uh, they got a big. What seems like a loaded card to two weeks before the show, um, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see if it, how it how it presents. Any any comments on you on the build up or kind of? Yeah, just the aesthetic of the Boston Garden is awesome, especially like you know, like whenever I think of Boston Garden, I'm thinking of like '87, '88, like yeah. house show loops, like those kind of things. So to see like this crop of talent in in that aesthetic is pretty cool to see, like. I, I kind of wish I hung around a little bit longer because I like it when um, you have like a different look to the arena for these shows. So yeah, I just stood uh, out to me. yeah, perfect. So we start with a uh, Lex Luger with his family thanking everyone uh, for you know hoping wishing them a happy Thanksgiving. So I did listen to Bruce uh, Bruce Pritchard. I always go the same Bruce Pritchard's podcast before just to kind of listen to what he thought of the '93, like see if there's any insight or anything and. And he said this interview, which is what, maybe 20 seconds, right. took five hours to record. <laughs> and it was the most miserable experience he ever had. <laughs> he said the kids were crying. He said his wife was super nice, but the kids, Luger, like just, it was a disaster. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to think about that, like why it took five hours. He said that it was super hot, and I think it was Atlanta, and I could be wrong on this. It was super hot, but I guess when you, um, when you film stuff, you can't have air conditioning on because the noise is too loud. Oh, so wow. they were by the fire pits. So they was like they were everyone's just pouring sweat the entire time too. So he's like it was just a miserable day. But I thought a pretty funny insight into this this terrible promo to start us off. Yeah, that that uh this whole like Luger and his family greeting us kind of thing. Yes, is really weird. Like right. I, I just don't get why you're doing this. He didn't win at SummerSlam. Like that's that's why I don't get like they're half in and half out with him, and it's just yeah doesn't make any sense that they would they would open the show with this. It's not Christmas, like it's right, yeah. and, and they're making it seem like it's a Christmas show. That's what's weird. I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, terrible. So we can start with that kind of off. Then we then then we see a terrible national anthem. I forgot to oh write down who gosh. the guy was. But it was it was rock Robin Robin type esque uh, up yes. there. But again, doesn't start the thing off, and then we get their the like intro music, which has been replaced the normal Survivor Series one by this like construction set with a random noise. Which again, I don't understand what that has to do with Survivor Series or Boston or uh, Thanksgiving. So it's a really off to kind of a three for three. The first three segments are terrible. Right. Um, we get in there and the crowd's super pumped up. They talk about how this event sold out in an hour. Uh, they, they bring up how Bobby Heenan's there with Vince and that Gorilla Monsoon's right next to him. And, you know, they've kind of really played off this Gorilla and Gorilla Monsoon and uh, Bobby Heenan feud. Um, 
So normally we don't do this, but why don't you take the first match? Because I want to make sure I get match number four, unless you really okay. want that match. No, no, no. Okay. So, so um, one thing we want to mention, I, I mean, it's not really a spoil. Do we want to mention it with Bobby right now? Um, sure. I know it's, it's his last pay-per-view, so it's not his last show, so we can still cover that. But um, it's his last pay-per-view with the company. And I, I feel like, you know, um, me and Gene and all that coming up, leaving all that. It, it, it's a blow, but Bobby is just such it's an crushing. integral part to this company. And like his, I don't know. It just, it feels so weird knowing that he's going to leave it and he's still into everything. He's not, he hasn't mailed it in, you know, like he, he, yes. just, he doesn't feel like he's lost a step. I don't know if there was like a contract negotiation where, or Vince just simply didn't want him anymore. Um, so from, from Pritchard, Pritchard said that he didn't, I guess they had been talking contract and he didn't do want to travel anymore, but he needed insurance is kind of what uh, he kind of said. And basically, yeah. I don't know if it was, it, it was confusing whether it was before the show or during the show or sorry, like, you know, week before the show, but basically Bobby said at this show that he was done and this was his two week notice. So, Damn. so he said like, maybe I guess that I'm guessing they were talking and then I'm guessing Bobby told him like, this is it. This is my last pay-per-view. So, um, this is, this is the end. Yeah, it, it, you can tell he really didn't want to go. You know, he never badmouthed them. Right. In the Monday Night Wars, he's, he, he, you know, the, during the gorilla when gorilla passes, he's really upset. You can just tell he he wanted to be here, but I guess you know things work out the way they do. But yeah, so that just a, a little note on that. Um, no, good our, good point. Yeah, it's our um, our first match is. Uh, Diesel, IRS, Adam Bomb, and Rick Martel versus uh, Marty Gennetti, One Two Three Kid, Razor Ramon, and what should have been Mr. Perfect uh, being replaced by Randy Savage. So um, each one of the baby faces comes out separate. So I, I, they kind of want to give the reveal of Savage, I guess. And um, this goes to what another thing we suppose spoke about Bruce Pritchard. What he says is. You know, if you're going to make a replacement, you want to be equal or greater. And I feel yep. like Savage is definitely greater than Perfect right now. Um, oh, my, massive pop for him. Yeah, it's huge. Like, and, and especially being the Boston Garden, like a mainstay of, you know, late 80s WWF. Like, his, this is a guy that they love. You could tell um, they were pumped. Like, I don't feel like you miss Perfect at all in this match. Like, he's not like... Um, integral to the feud for any reason. Like him and Diesel right. were feuding, but that doesn't even feel like a natural feud. So him him being out of the match is nothing. Um, but yeah, Savage comes out, like you said, to a huge um, pop. Um, the heel team all came out to Diesel's music, and he's not the captain of the team, so that was kind of weird. But um, early on, Razor and uh, Adam Bomb actually have a nice exchange. Like, Adam Bomb's actually kind of fired up during this match, and even, like, coming out, he looks pretty good. So that was something nice to see. Um, then you get, like, Adam Bomb and Rick Martel with a little bit of infighting, you know, kind of just arguing amongst themselves, and Savage starts egging the crowd on while they're doing that, and they just get crazy hot. Um, he eventually comes in, and he's like a house of fire, and eliminates Diesel with the elbow. So Diesel's the first to go. Um, Crush comes out eventually to distract Savage. Like, you know, continuing their feud. So that was kind of cool, too, that they picked Savage to be in this match because it continues that feud um, between these two, like, which is probably, like, the hottest thing going in the company right now or one of. So 
that um, distraction leads for IRS rolling him up to eliminate Savage. So we got Diesel and Savage gone. Um, eventually, Razor eliminates IRS with the Razor's Edge, and he like he he gutted him up with that one. Like IRS didn't go up easy, so he earned that Razor's Edge. Um, yep. knocked him out. And then after that, Razor picks up Martel for the edge, and IRS comes back in and hits him with the briefcase, and Razor is eventually counted out. So you got him out of the way. Um, Bomb and One Two Three Kid get some nice spots in together. Like surprisingly, they have some good chemistry. So I thought this was like a good showing for Adam Bomb. Like he's not been great at all. He's been doing a lot of squash matches, not really anything good. But um, you throw him in here with some younger guys, some athletic guys. He looks looks pretty solid. Um, kid gets a quick roll up on Martel and tags in Marty. He gets like a quick roll up on Adam Bomb out of nowhere. So the finish was kind of weird, but it was also kind of fun because you know the young guys just come in and work together and Marty and Kid. Um, fun little match, good opener, good selection to be the opener of the pay per view. Um, so Savage being a great surprise. I thought this was a pretty solid match overall. Nothing you know crazy, but. Um, having the having Kid and Marty go over and being like survivors of the team was pretty cool, so I liked it. Yeah, I uh, I got a lot of the same notes as you, but uh, I didn't even think about that. But man, Macho is so much better in this. Like, I don't know what Perfect would have done, right, to get eliminated. And Macho getting eliminated by Crush makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have the uh, you know have Razor model start. The crowd I put was really hot. They build that up as a big rematch. Um, and Macho too, and you know, my next note is that when the Motto and uh, Harvey Whippleman and the team kind of explodes on each other, Macho Man is like agging the crowd on, and just it, it really adds. Like I don't think Perfect could have pulled that off. Like Macho right. just knows he's standing on the raper and he's running back. I mean, he's manic. He's probably on so much cocaine, but he's running back and forth <laughs> each ring post and jumping up and down. Like he gets the crowd so into it. Uh, and then I kind of wrote that he gets Diesel out like the chump change he is. So Diesel, like it's weird they come out to his music and is pretty much a, a bitch in this match. Um, right. You know, so it's, it, we've talked a lot about Diesel. Like I just don't like him. We'll see when I maybe turn on him a little bit. But they just don't treat him like anything big, a, a big deal. Uh, IRS, Vince was had a bunch of political jokes when he was talking about IRS. Um, he, he, I also kind of put that IRS kind of weird that he gets pinned on the Razors. I mean, I know it's an awesome move, but it's weird that they're going to set up a title match, yet he gets pinned by Razor in a Survivor Series match. So I thought that was kind of weird that, like, they kind of IRS lose clean. But right. the briefcase shot was good, so I think that builds that feud up a little bit. It's just kind of weird that, like, rarely you see a guy that are going to feud get, you know, pinned clean like that. Uh, and then I really like the ending with Marty – uh, giving some different some different guys a showcase, right? The model, Adam Bomb, Marty Jenny, one two three kid, like really really good ending, really quick. It's kind of I don't want to say sloppy. It was, if you weren't really paying attention, it was very quick, came out of nowhere. But it puts them as the underdog guys, and the crowd was super hot for it, and a, a cool finish. And you haven't built up Adam Bomb as some guy that can't be lose to a fluky fluky uh, flip. So I, I thought I thought really fun match. The crowd was so into this, uh, which I'll maybe bring up the rest of the night. But this. This is perfect. This is the perfect for, like, those mid-coward guys, the intercontinental, perfect. This is a perfect type Survivor Series match. And one easy, once that's easy, really easy to watch, and you don't have to be too involved in any of the feuds to kind of pick up what's going on. Yeah, th- this is, outside of, like, your, like, heavy hitter main event Survivor Series matches, like like the main event of Invasion or maybe, right. like, a Hulkamaniacs match, this is my, like, 
perfect style of Survivor Series match. Get some, like, young mid-carters kind of all mixed up together. Not really, like, any storyline together, but just kind of throw them together and um, just see what happens. So, like, guys you normally wouldn't see together tag, tagged up, um, teaming up. So I think this is just a cool little way to start the pay-per-view, I guess. Yeah, super, super cool way to start the 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 pay per view and per, it, kind of perfect right to get a heart crowd you, your openers you always want guys that are over and hot and and these this all was and quick tags right uh, we'll get into the next match which is the opposite of that so we do have some things about the uh, talk about the WWF Superstar of the Year they're really bringing this up as a big time thing they have uh, first Todd is with Shawn Michaels and then he goes basically saying hey Shawn here's some pre recorded comments uh, from the Hart family I swear <laughs> Stu Hart is wearing a Pistons jacket in this interview. <laughs> I am. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading it. That's the. I actually have no other notes except the the entire time I was trying to see if it said Pistons on it, but I'm pretty sure it did. Um, and then Brett also says the master coming off, uh, which again is stupid for what this match becomes. So cool little build up. You got the Hart family saying they're all going to be together. Uh, the crowd is pumped for this. Obviously, lost some his luster without which Jerry Lawler, but like as the match starts off and Owen and Michael start. Um, it, it, and they're talking about the Knights, and Brett's talking about them, I'm asking. This sounds like it's going to be awesome. And then the bell rings. Mm. And it is, I don't know, 30 minutes of a slog. The first 25 minutes are mostly Bruce Hart and Keith Hart uh, fighting. Um, Bobby does make some digs into Brett and definitely picks – Bobby kind of says every time Owen does something cool, Bobby kind of picks up on him. Um, but it – it was really slow. There's a lot of heat on Bruce and Keith Hart. The Knights aren't great. Uh, and maybe I'll bring them up in a second, but they aren't, they aren't the best. Then they try to do a couple moves where all eight of them are in and they're just so misjointed. Uh, they try to do the spot where everyone's in, they kind of in one corner. They throw all the guys to the middle. They screw that up. They don't even get mm-hmm. everyone a nice thing. Um, it, it's, it's a slow slog. Um, uh, until we start getting some eliminations. So the first 15 minutes, there's no eliminations, and you start to hear the boring chants. Uh, there's definitely a guy right by one of the cameras that is definitely um, chanting boring throughout this match and the other match I'll cover. Uh, a really big slog. Um, and let's just go through the nights first. We got black, blue, and red. So we got uh, – did you did you look up what they were or no? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Barry Horowitz. Greg Valentine and Jeff Gaylord out of USWA. Yeah. So, I mean, guys that are okay workers, but again, being masked and then kind of not unmasking them, kind of having them all go out as not jobbers because two of them go out to sharpshooters from Brad and Owen, which I think is a cool little foreshadowing. Um, but they're, they just have no personality uh, and the crowd really doesn't care with them. Like anytime they're on top, you could just tell the crowd knows those guys are not going to pin anyone. So any like they had, the Black Knight did an awesome drop kick, and there were some things they did, but it was is really slog. So we we kind of get to the end where the the four the three knights get eliminated, uh, and it becomes Sean on the four the four uh, brothers. Uh, Keith definitely, I'm pretty sure, separates his shoulder in the match too from a Shawn Michaels thing. He goes in the corner, and Bruce has to rub it. Or sorry, Keith. Or, no. Uh, Stu Hart has to basically rub it back into place, but I'm pretty sure he separated his shoulder. I thought Owen did an awesome job flying over the top rope, did a crossbody on, on on Shawn Michaels over the top. You know that uh, a move that you see all the time now, the Taker move, 
but right. did awesome, you know, awesome there. The crowd loved that and picked up for them. But then my note next says then it becomes Sean and Bruce again. Like I just don't understand the booking of this match and why they made it so long. But we finally get to the classic spot where Brett's on the apron, Owen doing a Irish whip, rams into him. Brett flies, which is also another Brett move. Is flies to the guardrail. Uh, definitely is hurt. The whole family goes to check on him, and then. From that, Shawn Michaels, schoolboys, uh, Owen to eliminate him. Owen is screaming hot, really well done. Uh, Bobby throws a bottle of water to Shawn Michaels during kind of the break while everyone's kind of getting up. But Owen's just in disbelief. Uh, so pretty good. Bruce Hart then restarts. The three brothers all kind of tacked, get tagged in, hit Shawn three or four times each. And then Shawn just walks away. So a terrible finish. That I, I get maybe why you don't want to have Shawn pinned, but... It's just so anticlimactic and 30 minutes long where the crowd only got into about two or three parts and then the Owen stuff. Uh, right after the match, then the hearts are celebrating. Owen comes back out and pulls Brett off the top rope. It starts yelling at him, screaming at him, pushing at him. I thought Helen Hart here did an amazing job of selling the disbelief. Uh, so I thought a pretty good ending and definitely setting up something bigger that we'll deal with next year. But, man, the way, the way to get there was just rough. Yeah, so, like, this match, I both hate and love the booking of. It's crazy. Like, the action of this match sucked. Um, Sean, like, does nothing for this match. Like, like there's nothing. I know they had to throw him in last minute because of Lawler. I get it. And I know Terry Funk was supposed to be in this match, and he bailed last minute. Like, Terry Funk was supposed to work this match as a knight and then right. become, like, a part of creative team going forward. And then he got cold feet and said his horse was sick and bailed out. So, <laughs> so it was weird. Yeah. And, and like, I know he would have made this match better because he's a great, like, stooge seller. So, and Lawler, of course, with the, the hatred would have made it better. But Sean does nothing to, like, the build, at least for the week or so, was supposed to be like, hey, I'm coming back against Brett for, you know, last year's match. And we have some history. They don't play off that at all. That's not, nope. you know, that that's nothing. Like, these guys were all just pawns for the um, Bretton Owen storyline, which is great. That's the part I love. I love um, how they're building this. Um, they picked the right brother because, you know, Bruce, Bruce. Yeah, Bruce is in the damn pre-match interview looking like an assassin with the, <laughs> with the black glasses on, and then he comes out and wrestles like shit. Keith is just... Looks, guts. Yeah, Keith is so old looking. Like, he's so... It's such an embarrassment. Like, like, this family is lauded as, like, the, you know, great wrestling family. Like, who is is Brett and Owen? Like, their in-laws are better wrestlers than the blood of the family. Like, Neidhart and Bulldog are better, you know? Like, it, I, don't, I don't know. It's crazy, but um, I love I'm the way. i for sure Keith yeah. gets a separate shoulder. I, I'm pretty sure to. he does. Yeah, he's just, they're just so old. and It was on nothing. It's not like a big move. He just literally just old. Well, he's got a separated face, too, so it makes sense. Like, <laughs> Great mustache, though. Great yeah. mustache. <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's not giving that up. It's it's ninety three, but he ain't giving that eighties porn mustache up for nothing. So uh, a lot like my dad. But um, yeah, this uh, this match, I, I I hate the shit on it because Brett, but I have to. The match itself sucked. Um, the story of the match coming out of it is awesome, and you know where where we're gonna lead to, we'll see. But um, yeah, I just. I just don't feel like like Brett Brett or Sean, the two major players of this match, did not feel like major players at all in the match, like at all. Like it, it felt like they were giving 
Bruce and Keith, like a, hey, we're going to give you a, a moment in the spotlight kind of thing, and they both suck. So um, pretty much a just a, a middle of the pack, if that kind of match. Yeah, it's really weird they give those two guys so much time, which I just don't quite understand what they were going for. Like, maybe to give all tryouts, or maybe they thought the crowd would care about it, but we've never seen... So I, I, I kind of see from Owen, like, the crowd knows who he is, but the other guys we've never seen before. I mean, Keith definitely know. Bruce has been in a couple little things here and there, but that's it. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are not well-known, so the right. crowd doesn't care about them. And definitely the... Like, the Knights the crowd doesn't care about, which they could have been cool, like I said, with the Knights. And I don't know, unmasking these three guys, like, whether it was worth it or not. But, like, it just adds to, like, the pre-match where Brett's, like, the masks are coming off. And it's kind of like, well, that's intriguing. But then you know who's under it. Like, you kind of don't care at all. So. And w- well, I mean, no one knows who Jeff Gaylord is. Like, he's right. a big, ripped-up guy. I'm, I'm surprised WWF didn't use him at all after this. Um, Horowitz is a jobber on your TV, and I think Valentine. I think Valentine just just coming off of WCW comes in for just this match only, and I don't think works again for the WWF. So it's weird, yeah. Um, that you know that the, the, they even mentioned taking off the mask because clearly that wasn't going to happen. But yeah, yeah, just very weird. A weird match. Very. I guess I guess that's how you can classify it. It's just a weird match overall. So then, um, more Southern involvement here next as we get the, uh, Rock and Roll Express versus the Heavenly Bodies in 1993. Um, these two have great matches in Smoky Mountain, great blood feud, like great Southern work tag matches. Um, so great chemistry, but this is not one of them. Um, this match sucked too. I feel like <laughs> this, this just this doesn't like belong here. Like, it's crazy, like, I love these two in the Smoky Mountain setting um, because I think they can work that style, and I think, like, the crowd involvement there makes it better. Like, bleeding makes it better there. It's just a little touch that they do. Like, that stick works better in that environment, I guess. Um, but here, it just doesn't work. And I don't know if that says more against the WF audience or the workers not being able to adapt to it, but... Well, it's also um, a different. Can, can I say it real? Yeah, quick? yeah, yeah. It's also a different crowd you're kind of dealing with in those smaller places where you can really get into it. Here, you're in a really wide arena where the front row seats maybe you don't, aren't real wrestling fan. You know, aren't mm-hmm. real wrestling fan. You know, you got people in the back that can't hear anything or can't see, can't really get engaged. Like it's a harder sell of that type of you know jawing back and forth. Um, in a big arena like this. And they try to do that a couple of times in this match. And it's just not going to work at a place like a Boston garden. Um, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a tough sell just given the environment you're in. Well, I think that's why, like, I think that's why Lawler had to become an announcer and not a full-time wrestler because his stick only works good in little spurts in a big time. Oh, like the Manhattan yeah. center works perfectly. Right. Like he's right. amazing there. Right. So, like, Lawler wrestling a, a quick little feud or something then going back to being an announcer full-time makes more sense because it's just not going to be a week-to-week thing. As, whereas in Memphis, you know, they're, they're living by every every move he's doing in the ring, and it's awesome. So Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. Like, I just, the whole, the whole um, skeptic of these two just doesn't work. So, um, to start, like, the, the bodies try to slingshot Ricky in, and he somehow reverses it 
to flip both of them into the ring, which is really weird. Like, like how he was able to do that to both of them. Like one of them couldn't just let go of the ropes, but whatever. Um, and Ricky then dives outside. So you think like, okay, this is gonna be like a fast-paced match. You know, Rock and Roll Express look old and hell. They're kind of moving young, but um, no, not really. This is kind of <laughs> slow. Uh, like Jim Ross is on the call in this, and he he was good because he even brings up like the backstory of. Cornette shooting with the Rock and Roll Express for, you know, from a long time ago. So, like, how there's some history here. Um, but it doesn't feel like a blood feud. It's just, like, Rock and Roll is kind of, like, heavy on the double team. So, like, they're they're doing their little double team moves. But when you've seen, like, if you're a WWF fan, and, yeah, they are the, the imitation or they are the predecessors. When you've seen the Rockers, like Sean and Marty, uh, Rock and Roll Express just doesn't look good. Like they're not. They look a lot slower. Like, like I get it. They were the. They were there first, but it just doesn't. I don't know. It, if you're watching that and you're a fan, you're like, oh, who are these old guys doing the rockers moves? You know, like it just right. doesn't make any sense. Um, so it's just like kind of a slow match, and the crowd is just dead. Like the crowd is absolutely dead for a, a ta- like a hot title uh, tag team match that you would think they're kind of into it. Um, and then there's like a messy finishing stretch and just a dead match. It doesn't fit. Like the bodies win with a top rope racket shot. Like Cornette tosses the, the racket up to Gigolo and he comes off with a racket shot. They win. Nothing crazy. I just don't, I wish either they would have went like full comedic stick. Like if they're going to work that style or just somewhat of a blood feud that you could do in 93 WWF. I know you really can't, but. I don't know. This just didn't work right. Like they, they, they're doing, trying to do like high spots and stuff with dated moves, I guess you could say. I know, I know it sounds bad. Like when someone's going to tell me, you know, Oh, you shouldn't worry about the moves. It's not that it's that they just look dated, I guess. Like it just doesn't fit to me. Yeah. Especially the rock and roll. They look really, (laughs) really out of place. Right. Um, and the heavenly bodies just for whatever reason, and I know we love the gigolo, but just have not, uh, we have not, um, they've just not clicked as a heel team. Right. Um, you know, I end up even in this match, I felt like it was botched somehow. The ref loses control. Like it feels like it's, uh, uh, you know, like, I think they screwed some stuff up. I, I hate, <laughs> this is a, a trope of like these smoking mountain things where they throw the one guy over the top rope. They think they win. Ross is making it clear that's very smoking. That that that's not a WWF. This is you know non smoking yeah. mountain things. The crowd in Boston, no one. There was zero reaction for that over the top rope. Like I think it was supposed to be a big move, and it was literally silent as he threw him over the top rope. But Ross, Ross and Gorilla are making it out like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just part of it too, right? Like those moves maybe work in a small arena, but like over this you know big crowd and WWF fans that don't know rules of other organizations, like. It just does nothing. Jigolo uh, did an awesome job of catching that racket, though. He's on the top rope. Like, that's not easy to stand up there. And then to kind of catch that from below, from Jimmy, uh, from yeah. Cornette, was pretty good. Like, that was awesome. The, the shot was pretty good to him. Uh, you know, the crowd kind of popped for that, like that finish. There was definitely a couple moonsaults and things like that the crowd gave applause to. But, like, it, it's just dead. It doesn't really work. And how many times have we seen um, Ricky Morton? and Gibson fighting like twice once. Right. If any, right. Like if at all, right. Like, so it's not like, Oh man, we've seen these guys a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really hard to kind of buy into them as well. It, it just, it's just more of a letdown for me because I love, 
I love, especially the bodies in Smoky Mountain. Yeah. I love this era of like Southern wrestling. Like I love it. Like it's one of my favorite things. It's just, it just absolutely does not fit here. And it, yeah. I don't know. It just stands out. Especially after the last, the last match, it just really doesn't, right? Like right. it's kind of too long wrestling matches after kind of a hot quick tag match. Uh, the first opening match, like it just does not, it th- doesn't work back to back. And same, same note I have, the same guy just chanting boring. He must be right off, right by the camera side, because you could hear his voice clear as day chanting boring. And there were definitely other chants of it throughout the crowd. Hmm. Uh, I did, I did fail to mention Ray Combs was also the, uh, the, uh, guest on the, uh, Hearts versus, uh, Shawn Michaels match, which was supposed to be a family feud, but it doesn't make sense since Shawn's, Family isn't the Knights, uh, but he is okay. And I was going to mention there, you know, where you kind of said Bobby wasn't um, half-assing it. Like he was really good with Ray Combs. I thought that good back and forth. Uh, yeah. Like that's where. So it wasn't like something where Bobby was like you kind of mentioned, we, or some people mentioned, you know, in WCW at the end, he's really not caring, not prepping. I thought he was really in tune with Ray Combs. So I thought that was uh, pretty well done for both both of them working together. Dance yeah, some intrigue to the match. I thought uh, Ray Combs was really good in the interview section. Like, like the hearts didn't really give him much to work with. Oh yeah, but he, like him himself, like uh, who was the guy? The Jeff? Uh, who was the guy? Like on update and all that that lasted for like two months? I forget his name. I was name, gonna say, but... I, I was gonna say Jeff Foxworthy, but that's uh, Joe <laughs> Joe Fowler. Joe, Joe Fowler. Joe like, Fowler. Like, I, I think Ray Combs would have done much better than Joe better, Fowler yeah. did. Yeah, like I think he was kind of a. A little bit of a natural. Um, in and that he's a role. huge wrestling. And he's a huge wrestling fan because he was always, he was always having them on uh, Family Feud. Right. Like there's a lot of those. So so like he obviously was a wrestling fan. So, um, you know, pretty cool to have him involved. I know he was. You know, he's always a wrestling fan. Um, it had been involved in WrestleMania uh, seven, no eight, mm-hmm. eight in the uh, in the. Uh, one of the matches there, the family feud match of kind of the rando guys together. But so it was, it was good for him to be in that. So, uh, we go on, should we take, should we do plugs and take a break before the the last two matches? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like we always say, um, on the feed daily, we have something for you. You got, you know, I was just listening to cutting grass this week to, um, you know what that means. That's AEW. I've kind of soured a lot on that product, but still listen to um, that show because they're just filling you in as recent recent Jordan. They're just filling you in with kind of like their insight. And even when a, a product is kind of falling down a little bit, it's kind of fun to hear somebody cover it. So um, you got, like I said, you got AEW, you got ECW, you got um, like with the Dangerous Alliance podcast, you got WCW, you got us, you know, new generation era, you've got um, JT and Chad covering the Monday Night Wars, um, you got the uh, No Holds Barred covering like all the title changes in the WWF. Like you literally have, you got Jenny with her, like her, you know, varying podcasts every week. Like you literally have something, um, if you're a wrestling fan, like I don't know what else you could really be looking for. Um, other than what we have on the feed. Like, even if you just want to pick out one show, Ruthless Regression, that's another one. Like, every era just about is covered as well. So, like, I, I really don't know, like, what you could be looking for. And if there is something out there that you're looking for, there's a chance a, a podcast will get started for that. So, um, yeah, well, just every day, you know, we got something different. Just give it a chance and you'll likely find something you like. 
yeah, tons of great stuff. Um, new stuff will happen in the new year as well. So I know if things are working out to get some new, new stuff on for the new year. Um, and then just as we finish the year, uh, greatest, there's been a lot of content for greatest, uh, I'm always just for this, the greatest wrestler ever project, mm-hmm. uh, the, the revision for WWE. So I, uh, I've been digging into it the past couple of weeks, reading the, the blogs from the last time they did it five years ago and kind of figuring out, okay, who, who some guys that are going to make it and then making sure I don't miss anyone on my list. <laughs> Cause I don't want to be right. the bum that forgets, <laughs> you know, Bret Hart or someone like that. But, uh, I'm sure my list will get scrutinized and yelled at for, you know, not being a real fan, but you know, Adam bomb is we've seen deserves to be in the top 10. So you got to put him where it is, but of course. So yeah, great stuff every day, dro- dropping just about every way day that this week in the NFL, those guys are, great as well and for non-wrestling stuff pretty much thursday or thursday friday or saturday they're dropping uh you know an hour uh recap of the week before and previewing the week ahead so great stuff every day listen rate and review to that uh the pop experience as well the other podcast podcast feed and the and uh the original place to be all all great feeds uh so let's move on to our uh doink match and so we got bam bam the head shrinkers uh, and uh, Bastion Booger, along with Luna Vachon, coming out. Um, and so the crowd's been kind of rough for a little bit, and here, here was supposed to be like a little, you know, palate cleanser right before the main events. And, you know, the crowd starts chanting for Doink, and you hear Doink's music, crowd pops, and then you get the Bushwhackers music. Uh, kind of weird. And so it happens again. Then, uh, I forget which one comes up first. Luke comes out first, then Butch. Right. Yep. Then they do it again. And they play the Doink's music. People are pumped. And I'll come on Men on a Mission. Now, Men on a Mission get a massive pop when they, they come out. Uh, and I kind of talked about this at SummerSlam. Like, the Men on a Mission should be coming out for every pay-per-view. But, man, the crowd goes nuts for them. Uh, but immediately once they get in the ring, massive we want Doink chance. So you can tell this match is off to a rough start just to begin um, with the kind of switcheroo of everyone thinking, you know, the, there's going to be four doings or something different, but instead we just kind of get one bum team that's been not seen. I don't think we've seen them on, the, on this feed in forever. And then a team that's over but kind of looks kind of silly in the doink makeup. Um, so a really slow plotting match. I, I wouldn't say slow just because it's not as long as the last two, but it's just embarrassing for, for all four guys on the heel side to have to go for this. Um, you know, especially Fatu, who's just – you know, we know he's kind of up for this type of stuff, but he just mm-hmm. is embarrassing himself out there. Fashion Booger goes for a pin, but stops to take a banana break. Um, there's slipping on a banana peel. Afa's eating a, a turkey the entire match. It's really sloppy. Uh, kind of the head triggers get eliminated pretty quickly. Fashion Booger, like I said, gets eliminated while eating a banana. And then Booger does get, or sorry, Bam Bam does get some offense in on the doinks. Uh, but of course, can't eliminate any of them. The only cool spot of this match is when they finally get Bam Bam on the splash at, from Mabel, which was a pretty cool splash. They all jump on on top of Bam Bam for a pin, which is a pretty cool visual and a pretty good like putting the kind of them over as Mabel as a monster, right? Like a big splash, right? And they pin Bigelow one, two, three. Uh, Mo at one point is riding around in a scooter. It, it's 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 a mess. Um, I actually thought. Booger didn't look – I just thought none of the heels looked that bad. I thought Booger, this is the best we've seen of him. Um, and I thought he probably should have got a pin. And maybe even the head shrinkers get a pin. Like, why don't they pin Bushwhackers and, and then make Mabel look like this 
you know, Soul Survivor or Mabel and Moe looked like the Soul Survivor. Right. Uh, so it was it was really a rough booking from it. Like, why do the Bushwhackers need to win? And just the way that, you know, like I said, Fatu has to fall on a banana peel to take a loss just is just so silly. So um, rough, rough match. Uh, anything for you to add? Yes. So and then and then also at the end, Doink appears on the screen and kind of like taunts Bigelow. And I'm pretty sure this is no longer Matt Bourne. That was my yeah. That was my last note. Was going to be yeah. That's definitely not Matt Bourne. Which I'm guessing is why they they went this route is because that uh, this guy Ray Apollo wasn't ready to wrestle. They thought it'd be they thought you know this would get the crowd over more than bringing out Ray Apollo trying to learn Doink's moves. So I'm guessing that's why they went that way. But it definitely is no longer. um, No, I can't think of his name. It's not Steve yeah. name. No, I, I just said it. Uh, Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so the, this match sucks. Definitely sucked. I hate the Bushwhackers. Um, Mabel looked scary as hell in that face paint. Like his big ass in that face paint looked creepy as shit. But they are so over. And as much as this match sucked, and as much as it's so goofy and trivial, like I, I wish they would have put like. Uh, maybe IRS with Bastion Booger or or maybe like well done like somebody that that can just be fodder for this kind of thing like instead of like the head shrinkers who have been like savages and like killing jobbers all the time and like a a legit tag team like I wish they weren't involved in this Um, Bigelow kind of had to be because he's feuding with Doink even though he didn't fit but yeah like I wish they're throwing well done or somebody in there but what I will say is as much as I don't like this I really love that something like this is on the card because like, I feel like a great show, even though the, I, I feel like the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the strategy is like the, they didn't accomplish what the strategy is set out to do and that they're trying to give you some of everything on this show. Like that was the setup for it. It just yeah. didn't work. Like it sucks. But I like that they're doing that. Like, I like that that's the strategy. You're trying to give something for everybody. It's like when WCW was at its hottest, like 96, 97, it's because they had cruiserweights. They had the big time main event guys. They had a little bit of comedy with like Disco Inferno, people like that. Like you had something for everybody. So I'll defend the, the match, like the, them putting it there. It just, it just sucked. And it didn't, you know, like I'm not going to say it's a good match. It's just, it's just not, but, um, I'm it's sure good, there's people that love this good, kind of stuff. Right. It's a good palate cleanser. Like, it's kind of perfect for that, right? Like, right. It, it's a good palate cleanser. It is it is 10 minutes long, but it doesn't feel like it's that long. Like, it definitely is way better. Like, it's way better than the hearts match. Like, way yeah. better than that. I think the the tag team match, eh, it's kind of about the same, right? Like, because the, the crowd's a little bit more into this. But the problem is the crowd's chanting for a doink. The I thought they could they probably should have made like you mentioned men on mission are so over like have them pin all four of the guys yeah easily but also let Bam Bam get victory over the Bushwhackers like why do the Bushwhackers right. need a pay per view win in '93 they don't they don't right they, when's the last time they've been on pay per view <laughs> I, I don't mean, think I don't think we've seen the Bushwhackers wrestle at all like maybe in like yeah. one match maybe in '93 like a raw match or, yeah. yeah yeah raw match here there superstars yeah. So yeah, they just it didn't make sense. The Man on Mission's clearly over. They're clearly one of the hottest acts in the whole company outside of like Razor and a couple of main eventers or whatever, but they're yeah, they're they're rolling even with the creepy ass face paint on. But um 
just I guess like I, I guess too another thing too is like what a lot of people forget, a lot of wrestling fans especially forget, is 93 WWF. As much as we love it, and as much as we're covering it, it's booked for kids. Like this is booked for kids. Like this isn't meant for adults to watch and be like, you know, for the most part, like the the show yeah. is kids based. So this kind of thing appeals to, I mean, it didn't even appeal to me as a kid, but I'm sure a lot of kids love this kind of thing. So, um, you know, I, I guess it's just that kind of like that representation for that audience, I guess. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, like I know, said, it's a good, it's a good palate cleanser. It's something different. Again, yeah. if the other matches maybe hit better, that we wouldn't like people wouldn't shit on this match that much. I think it's just because it's on a bad rough card that it kind of really right, gets hurt. Right. That what you just said is is nailed at home. If if everything that was supposed to do so like they nailed what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to be this funny like you know bring me up kind of match. But everybody else didn't nail what they were supposed to do. So if they did, then this would be remembered a lot better. Like you would you would say. You even had comedy in this match. Instead, you're saying right. three straight shit matches in a row. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that's a perfect point. So I like that a lot. So um, coming off of that, we now get to our main event, which is the uh, Foreign Fanatics versus the All-Americans, which um, this match starts off kind of good with Rick. You know, obviously Rick Steiner in the match is starting off really hot, like a ball of energy with Yoko. Like he even knocks Yoko out of the ring, which is interesting because that's how Luger won at SummerSlam. So to kind of have Rick, you know, do that early on, so early in the match was interesting. Um, you know, we get a little back and forth action and, uh, you know, you got Crush in the ring. So Savage tries to come down to distract him now and he's being held back by like the smoking gun. So. You know, you got, you got Savage coming out to distract Crush. Crush was coming out to distract Savage. So kind of like a little bit of a turnabout is fair play kind of thing. Crush is like holding Scott Steiner up and he just like tosses him out of the ring. Like, like almost recklessly. Like, holy shit. He just tosses it. And Scott's not a small guy. So, yep. um, that was a pretty awesome spot. Um, Savage comes back a few minutes later after Crush and Crush goes after him and they start to brawl. So, the ref says he's counted out. Like, Crush is kind of, like, surprised about this. Like, I don't know what else he expected. Like, you can't just go out in the rampway and just start fighting a dude and come back and think, like, the ref didn't see that. So, um, that was weird. Um, Luger hits, like, an elbow drop, I think, to eliminate Jacques. Like, I guess that's to play off his, like, forearm elbow thing. I guess his whole arm is, like, bionic now. Like, like just a little elbow drop eliminated him. Um, yep. Scott ended up missing a Frankenstein attempt, and Yoko hits a leg drop to eliminate him, which is a pretty cool spot, like keeping Yoko strong. Um, Taker gets the hot tag, which is kind of weird that it's Taker. And then his him and Yoko's chemistry is really good. Like, they have a yeah. nice little sequence, and I've always, you know, like back in, like, the message boards days and stuff like that, people would always, like, you know, Mankind is lauded as the one that's, like, brought Undertaker to life. Um, but a lot of people have said, you know, Yoko is the one to do it. And see, starting to see this stuff play out, you can tell they have great chemistry. And he kind of is the one that's bringing Undertaker to life a little bit. So um, a really good spot is when Yoko's going for the bonsai and Undertaker sits up. So, like, this is patented sit-up. So yep. that was awesome. Um, they start to, Undertaker and Yoko start to brawl and they get a double count out. 
So now we're down to uh, Luger and Ludwig Borga. Um, Luger does this like one-legged leapfrog over over Borga. I guess he can't hit the full leapfrog. He kind of just does it one-legged. And then he follows it, hits him with the forearm to, to win for his team. Um, cool match. Not not terrible, not great. But considering all the players involved in, in the story and the build to it, I thought it was a pretty solid match. Um, a lot of count outs because they wanted to protect like these main event guys, and that yeah, that's kind of the problem you get when you throw all these main eventers in the match. With um, all Survivor Series, I mean, exactly. every Survivor Series, there's guys randomly getting count out versus pinned, right? Which again, which is weird. <laughs> like IRS was, you know, uh, <laughs> pinned earlier, like clean, like that just rarely happens in Survivor Series, right? And then so, and when I'm watching this, I'm like spoiler alert, I'm watching this like. Uh, I believe right around Thanksgiving, right after our recording, when I went on my little rant about Thanksgiving, and then this bullshit at the end of the match happened. <laughs> fake. This is not even Thanksgiving. It's the day before Thanksgiving, and they have this fake snow, and fucking Santa comes down to the ring. It's not even Thanksgiving, and people are watching this, and Santa Claus comes down to the ring. I just do not understand this. Like, add this to the with the with Luger in the beginning, basically giving him yep. fireplace Christmas chat. Like, I just that just like teed me off to no end. But <clears throat> I get it at the same time. Like, I get the marketing behind it. Um, but like I said, yeah, cool match. Way to kind of give Luger like Borga was undefeated too, right? Wasn't Borga undefeated yeah. going to this? I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's lost. Yeah. And he's the one that beat Tatanka, so yeah, I, I don't remember them really saying that. So yeah, I would I would say he's lo- he hasn't lost yet. So kind of weird that he like took Tatanka's streak, and then they they didn't use him to get counted out, and he's the one that falls a Luger. So I guess they're kind of um, in doing that. I I maybe that's what they why they beat Tatanka to make Borga look stronger to give Luger a I stronger think so, yeah. win. Yeah, you know. So so now they're building Luger back up because, you know, as we all know, like the rumor was they're going to go with him at Mania. So they got to build him up to go strong, I guess. So, yeah, it was weird that he what, like won clean. Right. That's kind of the the weird part of this is that uh, Lex kind of wins clean. Like maybe they I guess they could do a count out again, but like, you know, maybe knock him out the elbow legally or something, you know, something different. But I guess they right. kind of just did that at SummerSlam. So. Kind of have to have him kind of win a clean, clean win. And Borger doesn't look too weak, but he's not long for this world, which probably hurts him more than anything. Um, match is good, like you mentioned. A lot of, a lot of weird countouts. The, the problem with the match probably is that the Taker Yoko feud gets way more crowd pumped and is way cooler than anything Lex and Yoko does. So right. if their plan is to get to Lex and Yoko at Summers or WrestleMania, Man, there just no one cares about it, right? There was, it was silence when Luger came in. I don't want to say silent, but it wasn't a pop. But when Taker came in, man, the crowd was all for it. The, when he sat up for the bonsai drop, the crowd, you know, audibly gassed. He did the same thing on the uh, the steel steps, which is kind of his move, but like Taker standing up and Yoko does an awesome facial expression on that. Just like really good stuff between the two of them. The crowd was way more than that than Luger. But it, by the end, when it was Luger and Borga only, the crowd. It's definitely big into Luger and definitely big for Santa Claus as much as you hated it. Uh, the crowd's pretty pumped for it. So if you think about this match, it, it was, it was, re- I thought pretty good. It's just the, the three matches before it were just rough. And 
if you just watch the first match and last match, this is a pretty decent pay-per-view, but it's just the middle slog, hour and a half, is, is, is a pretty rough watch. I agree. Anything else before we should move on to awards? No, I'm all good. Yeah. The other thing they brought up a couple times during the pay-per-view was the superstar of the year, so it's weird they keep bringing that up, and then they're supposed to announce it during this pay-per-view and then just don't do anything on it. So I, I, I wasn't able to hear anything of why they didn't do it, but they, it seems more I, – I care more for it than they do, but they do bring it up a bunch. So <laughs> interesting, right. interesting that it's kind of brought. So let's go to uh, our awards then for this – this uh, pay-per-view, one year one year of wrestling is pay-per-view. So, uh, most new-gen outfit for the Knights? Uh, I'm going to go with um, Cornette's outfit, his little bright mismatch okay. suit. I'm going to go with Always, him. yep. Yeah, I'm going to go Marty, Janetti, one, two, three. I thought Marty coming out with the Rockers music and just his his energy, I thought he brought it really well. So, I thought, I thought again, he's wearing his, still wearing his Rockers uniform, but it's very neon and very, very uh, new-gen. Uh, most new-gen performer? Uh, I'm gonna go with Savage on this one, like him oh. being the him being the you know uh, replacement and just lighting the building on fire pretty much. So I'm gonna go with him. I'm gonna go Owen Hart's. I thought he this is the start of his whiny little brother heel thing. I thought it was really well done. Uh, like you said, the the booking of the match is great. The execution or uh, pre pre of the that part is is rough. Uh, worst match or segment? There's a bunch here. Man, so like, because, so I, I want to give it to the hearts, but there was a, a storyline at least that played out of that. So I'm going to give it to the uh, bodies in a Rock and Roll Express because that was just a heatless, um, like you could take this match out and nothing changes in the case right? at all. Yep. And I wonder if we'll ever see them again. Like, I know we see heavenly bodies here and there, like as fillers, but like, right, like when they have a tag team tournament, like the heavenly bodies will randomly be in it. But, like, I don't know if we'll ever see them again in anything big. And definitely um, the other two, I don't know. I know Pritchard, I know Tom Pritchard has a really good match with Brett in 94. Okay, okay. Uh, on Raw. And I know, well, he obviously becomes a uh, Zip. Zip, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I don't know about the bodies as, like, a full-on tag team for a while. No, I don't know. Yeah. And then definitely, I mean, I don't think we see the other guys ever again. Rock and roll, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, so I don't either. think. I don't think. It, I don't think we've ever seen it. Well, we'll see. That'll be interesting to see how it kind of comes off in this match. Uh, best match or segments? Oh, I didn't get mine. Mine, I put Keith Hart. <laughs> I mean, Bruce is bad, but Keith yeah. injuring himself yeah. on a non-move is is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, best match. I'm gonna go with the main. Uh, it's either the opener or the main. Uh, I'm gonna go with the main event. I think it, I think it furthered some storylines. It put Luger over strong, so I'm gonna go with the main event. I, I'm gonna go Taker Yoko from the main events. Okay. Like, that was awesome. That was an awesome thing. I, I agree with you. The main event has a lot of good storylines through it. Um, it's just the, the rest of the pay per view kind of drags it down. So, but I thought I thought there's a lot of good story. The Luger, even the Luger uh, Lex stuff. Or sorry. The Lex Borga. Uh, Borga stuff is pretty good too. So, uh, who do you have stock up on? Uh, Owen, definitely Owen. So, Owen is like was an ancillary player before this. Like he was, you know, a, a good little spot wrestler, but now he's like a great character. So, um, this is gonna be fun to watch. So, yeah, definitely stock up on Owen. Yep, I'm going to go one, two, three, kid, Marty Janetti. Cool victory for them. Set something up for them coming forward. They look yeah. like they could be a cool tag team, so I'll, I'll go with them. And then stock down, a lot to choose from here. 
<sighs> yeah, there's a lot to choose from. Um, I already shit on the rock and roll and the heavenly bodies. I'm gonna go Sean. Sean yep, is like, one. he's playing like the, the the you know he's got his title belt. He's supposed to be this major player. Uh, he just did not bring it at all, at all. As much as everybody didn't really bring it outside of Owen and Brett and their like little involvement in that match, Sean just really Sean just felt like he could be replaced by anybody as well in that match. Like he didn't stand out and do anything special. So I'm gonna go with Sean. Sean, I'm gonna go Doink just because the crowd was chanting for Doink. And they didn't deliver on the match. It clearly upset the crowd. And then right. the fact the post-match promo was not Matt Bourne anymore really kind of hurt people. So uh, I'm going to go with that one. So. Good call. All right. So Survivor Series, kind of a rougher one in, in the bag. But uh, I think some good storylines out of it, right? Brett Owen, Taker, Yoko, Borga, Luger. Um, the main of, or the first match had a ton of different threads. We still have Crush Savage. Really didn't. I don't. Did they even get connected to each other? Or they they just kind of argued. Like that that feud's pretty awesome right now. So there's right. a lot of good feuds that kind of worked its way through the pay per view. But you know the actual in ring wrestling was a little weak, and the actual like big storylines come out of it. Nothing major happened. Like no title changes or anything like that. But a lot of good stuff that sets us up for the fall or the winter, I should say. And then one of my favorite pay per views, the Royal Rumble '94. So I'm really excited about the next two months leading up to that. So, likewise, yeah, I love I love Rumble '94. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. Yep, can't wait. So uh, we'll be back next week. The big superstar of the year gets announced. Uh, so we'll do two Raws, two superstars, and move ourselves along to '94. Uh, uh, so anything else you want to say before we uh, cheers along next next time? Uh, yeah, I just want to give a, a shout out to Scott uh, Cristolo, our brother there. Uh, I'm not gonna yep. go deep into it. Just Want to give some shout out to him, some love. So, awesome. Yep, great, great shout out. Thanks for that. And then uh, we'll see everyone in two weeks. Cheers. Alrighty. T-shirts will be ripping. AJ will be skipping, and gifts will be wrapped with the bow. Get festive with Rowan. Eggnog will be flowing. Go easy there, big show. Hey. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be presents for buying. The usos are flying. What's with that weird little steer? It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be yes, yes, yesing. Mark Henry bench pressing as Bray Wyatt's lantern glows. Golden stardust face painting and carolers fainting when they come across Dean and Rose. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The briefcase is shining, even bad news is smiling. The holidays are here. Uh, can I get a little help in here? Now that's best for the holidays. It's the most wonderful time.